reignite your passion for God and for his work. Listen to Bishop Edwin Morgan Ogo, the resident pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International Adenta Branch, as he comes your way on this podcast with the creative force of God's word. Bishop Ogo also pastors the Flaming Fire Service, a vibrant youth service filled with energetic young people who are ablaze for the Lord. He is also the evangelist of the Greater Love Roadshow, a unique outreach program that ministers the soul-saving love of Jesus Christ to a hurting world through music, dance, and the life-giving word of God. Now listen to Bishop Edwin Ogo. Tell the person next to you, happy Salvation Sunday. Oh, please say it again. Hallelujah. Until Jesus came and touched my life I am not the same Something's very different now I am born, I am born again I used to walk in sin each day But Jesus turned my life around It's all so wonderful Save my soul. It's not enough to be 
for me and you. Jesus cares and loves us too. You have shown mercy to me. You have shown me favor and great grace. Now is the time to favor me. Solid 
When I think about my Lord How He saved me How He raised me How He filled me With the Holy Ghost How He healed me To the outermost When I think about the How he placed my feet on solid ground It makes me want to shout Hallelujah Thank you Jesus Lord you're worthy of all the glory And all the honor and all the praise It makes me Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the Think about 
How he filled me with the Holy Ghost. How he healed me to the outermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around. He has placed my feet on solid ground. That's why I always shout. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We are grateful for the privilege to stand in your presence. And we ask for your blessing and your presence to come mightily upon us. In the name of Jesus, we receive your guidance. We receive your light. We receive your blessing. As we have come into your house, let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may please be seated. This morning, I would like us to turn our Bibles to a very important story I want to share with you on Happy Salvation Sunday, where we've come to the presence of God to say thank you to him for our salvation and our way of saying thank you is we have invited a soul, we've brought a soul to church and not just to church but someone we are going to personally help to be established. Somebody whose growth, stability, maturity will be our responsibility. If we can do this once a year, it will be a very appropriate way of saying thank you to God. And I want to say a big welcome to anyone who is worshiping with us today for the first time. We are very happy that you came to church. We are grateful to God for your life. And we know that God will touch you in the service. Acts chapter 10. I'm going to be reading portions of this chapter and um, I believe it will be a blessing to us. Verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band of the Italian 
of the band called the Italian band. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house. Which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose name is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon Etana whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel we speak unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things, he sent them to Joppa. Verse 9. On the morrow, that is the following day, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Remember that Cornelius and his men are traveling to a place to meet a man, an angel had already spoken to Cornelius about. The name of the man was Peter. So they are going there to see Peter for whatever reason they did not know. He said, Peter will tell you in verse 6 what thou oughtest to do. So as they traveled to see Peter, Peter was also about to have an experience, which is what starts in verse 9. So on the morrow as they went, they drew nigh to the city. Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He was up at the rooftop, the housetop, about to pray. And the Bible says that he was hungry as he was at the rooftop. And he would have eaten, but I think the food was now being prepared. The food wasn't ready. So he was still at the housetop trying to pray with hunger. Don't forget that Cornelius and his people are coming to see him. 
And sometimes God uses our personal circumstances to minister his will and his plan to our lives. Sometimes the language God uses is the language of our personal circumstances. So sometimes he will use your big sister, who you can see, who is in the house. He will use her life to speak to you. How that among the entire family, she's the only one who is married with three children. When everyone else, including your mother, there's no one who has had a proper marriage. But your sister has a husband. They had a wedding. They've got three children. God can use her to speak to you in a language you can understand. So Peter was hungry. Obviously his mind will be on food even as he's praying. He'll be thinking of the jollof rice or maybe if they are frying fish. He'll be thinking about the fish they are frying and when the food will be ready, there may be some banku that is lying by the food. So, as he was praying and hungry, the Bible says he fell into a trance. What did he see? Like a vision. What did he see? He saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. So a big piece of cloth, like a bed sheet, being let down. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. A sheet was being lowered from heaven, tied at the four corners. And that sheet, bed sheet or cloth, contained all manner of animals, creeping things, four-footed beasts, wild beasts, and it was being lowered. Remember, he was hungry. And then suddenly, as he saw in the vision, the sheet was coming down. A voice came from heaven. It says, rise, Peter. Kill and eat. Already you are hungry. But Peter said, no. No. Not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time what God had cleansed that call not thou common or unclean this was done thrice and the vessel was received up again so the sheet was lowered a voice spoke rise and eat Peter said no and said, what God has called clean, do not call unclean. And suddenly, the sheet went up. 
Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made enquiry for Simon's house and they stood before at the gates. All this time the vision was going on, the men were traveling. Verse 24. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Cornelius sent some men who were at the house of Peter knocking. I just jammed. When Peter opened the door, they said, are you Peter? Said, our master says you should come. So verse 24. So they went the following morning. They slept in the house. The following morning, Cornelius' men took Peter there. And as Peter was coming in, entering the house of Cornelius, he was a, he was a big man, an army general. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up and said, stand up. I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many people that were gathered together. Cornelius had called some people, his household, and they were already seated. He sent some of his men to go and bring Peter. So Peter came and they entered the house. When Peter entered, he saw that the people were seated. So he said to them, you know that it is unlawful. It is an unlawful thing. For a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation, it's not right, it's not lawful. Cornelius, you, you are supposed to know this. But God has already showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So God had prepared Peter for the experience he was going to have with the Gentiles. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius told him the vision he had through the angel. Verse, and, uh, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth. The people were sitting down. Cornelius narrated his story. And then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And then Peter preached a sermon and in verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. Here ends the reading of our first scripture lesson and story. And the church will say, thanks be to God. The next reading is just one verse from which I'm borrowing the title of this message. 
Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. The title of the message I'm sharing with you this morning is Salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation to the Jew first. First to the Jew. And then also to the Greek. My dear friends, this morning I want to welcome you to church. And uh, God sent me with this very important message to share with you. Last week we learned that when God wants to introduce joy and sweetness and excitement and pleasure into your life, the channel he uses is salvation. Titus 2.11 The grace that brings salvation. The grace that brings salvation has appeared to all of us. And we saw that the meaning of the word grace, charis, is a divine means to experience joy, excitement, pleasure, sweetness. Without salvation, a lot of people are robbed of the essentials of life. So says the Holy Spirit this morning. Without salvation, a lot of people are robbed of the essentials of life. The Bible says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. If you are a rich man, your life is not made up of a lot of money. Money is not the essence of your life. If you are very intelligent, having 80%, 90%, first class, 
second upper. Your life does not consist in the abundance of anything you possess. Some people possess abundant money. Some possess abundant grades. So many degrees. Some people possess abundant handsomeness. I mean, he's got the looks. Some possess abundant beauty. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Some have got contacts that some people, if you meet them, they will show you, they will lead you to any important person you need to know. It's a gift. They just know people. They know the minister for moon and stars. They know the minister for lakes and tilapia. They know the minister, I mean, anyone, the DC for Aguna, uh, uh, Dumas, they, I mean, it's like, they know everybody. Now, a man's life does not consist in these things. God may have endowed and endued you with a lot of these earthly blessings. Cars, houses, academic laurels, intelligence. But these things don't make a man. Because in the Bible we know of people who had a lot of things. But in the end, they were found wanting. There was a woman, she had a lot of boyfriends. But when she met Jesus, I mean, her standards were totally rearranged. Jesus told us a story of a man. He was very rich. Very rich. But he was a fool. That's the Bible. I'm not the one insulting him. So today, in spite of whatever you have a lot of, a lot of land, a lot of shirts, there are ladies with a lot of shoes. I've seen somebody wearing shoes with diamonds. A lot. I'm sure when you go to a house, there's a whole rack of shoes yeah. but a man's life does not consist see, your life so, so we have to ask ourselves that what is our life made of what is it what is it that makes up our life what is it John chapter 3 verse 27. John the Baptist answered his disciples who had come to bring a report that there is a man in town called Jesus and everybody is going to him. He began his church just two months ago and already thousands are sitting before him. And then John's answer to his disciples is what is captured in verse 27 of John 3. He said, a man can receive nothing 
except it is given to him from heaven. To paraphrase it, it's, it's, it says, a man can have nothing except what has been given to him from heaven. So in your life, you have to ask yourself, among the things you have, what is it that is a direct download from heaven? Because it looks like without, you see, if your life is not made up of direct downloads from heaven, whatever you have, is insignificant and inconsequential. It does not matter much. It is the input from heaven into your life that makes your life, that even makes the other things you have meaningful. I was blessed to spend about an hour with a millionaire, a real millionaire. Yesterday, and we were walking through his estates. That's one of the thousand things he has done. Estate, about 400 buildings. I was speaking softly, quietly. He said, It's been a long time since I came here. As my eyes were glittering, looking at the houses and the so oh, it's been a long time since I came here. So so why? So I don't have any desire for these things again. I mean I said, hey, open up. People are looking for accommodation, one room. They are fasting for seven days for one room in a compound house. You have built four hundred houses. 400. And you say, what? <laughs> so, uh, I don't have any. So it's been a long time since I came here. He pointed, there was a meeting. Yes, you know something, just sort this thing out. And just. He doesn't even know where, which of the houses he has in Accra to stay. Should he stay here? Should he go there? And the truth is that his life is not made up of the houses he has built. That is the truth. That the things you have in your life, some of us are on a grabbing spree. Yes, but you will grab and grab and grab and grab to realize that it does not mean much. Just one lab result. One lab test. When you receive the test results and your hand is shaking like Nebuchadnezzar. When, when the hand was writing on the wall, many, many tekel ufarsen. His knees smote him. He was drinking from vessels of gold because your life does not consist of the golden cups you are drinking from. All these things, the, the real English word is embellishments 
They are embellishments, just some, some add-ons. But the core of your life is what heaven has downloaded. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things. So it is when God wants to complete our lives, in spite of our education, in spite of our riches, our beauty, our contacts, when God, because these things do not, comp- they don't even make up your life. They don't. Always, it is when you don't have something that you think it is very important. Anything you don't have, you think about it. If you are sitting here, you don't have a shirt. Because I've seen somebody who is in church now with a singlet. You know, but, so, so let's imagine, I don't know, maybe it's a fashion statement. I mean, but let's hope that, let's say that you don't have clothes. Or you don't have shoes. Or you don't have an iPad. This is an iPad. How many here don't have an iPad? You don't have an iPad. Let me see your hand. Uh-huh. A lot of us here. But I will tell you that whatever you don't have, there are people who have a lot of them. Like, like they don't know which iPad they should use for their notes. <laughs> I mean, he wakes up at dawn to pray. And he doesn't know which of the iPads or which of the phones or devices should he play music from. As you can find even one place to put a song. That whatever you don't have, there is somebody who has got a lot of it. Like as you are, some of you here don't have even a place to stay. But I have met somebody who has built 400 houses. But it is when you, 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 you don't have something that you, you, are, you, you are deceived into thinking that it is very important. The only thing that is important in life is Jesus Christ and him crucified. <laughs> Romans 1.16 It is the power. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. The power of God to introduce joy into your life. The power of God to introduce pleasure. The power of God to introduce sweetness to everyone that believeth. Now, let's end. I normally start with the topic, but now I'm ending with the topic. It is salvation to the Jew first. And then to the Greek. That's what Paul is saying. Everyone that believe it. To the Jew first. And then also. My dear friends. Sometimes when you are with someone. Especially like a rich man. A rich man. Who has a lot of money. You may think the man's eyes are not on the coins and the two Ghana cities lying around him. Like a millionaire, so, but it's not how. I was in the hospital with my father-in-law, a millionaire, a real millionaire. Very, he died very rich. 
He was in the hospital. I think that was about the time he was about to pass away. And he sent his driver to town, Kolebu, to buy some medicine which had been prescribed. So when the driver came, he had some elders money. I've forgotten the amount. I know, I think in our current uh, denomination, maybe some two CDs, 50 pesos. So he came and he stood by, the, by my father-in-law and he said, Da, in English, he said, I've brought the medicine, but uh, what about this? What do I do with this? Even me, you know, I was a young doctor sitting there. I was almost tempted to tell him to take the money. Because if I was the one that I, who, who sent the driver, me, I would have told him to take the two CDs, 50 pesos away. Me, personally. I was shocked. The man's eyes were closed. He said, photo her. Put it down. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. This is a millionaire. I mean, oh, you, you don't have any idea. Money, houses, properties. You don't have any idea. Photo her. Two cities. So, so, so that was when I realized that the man is a millionaire because he has not played with two Ghana. And the reason why I am not a millionaire is that I, I just dash two Ghana, one Ghana ticket. Dashing spree. My dear friends, I'm saying that sometimes when somebody has a lot of something, you may be tempted into thinking that one pastor told Bishop, that, but you've got 3,000 churches. If I break away with just one church, why should it be a problem? When you've got 3,000 churches in 86 countries, and only one small church of about 60 members, I break away. What is the problem? But that's a mistake. You see, he has 3,000 churches because he has not played with even one church. That is why he has 3,000 churches. Somebody is being blessed here. So many times, when we find somebody having a lot of something, our mind and our, 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 our thinking is that the person doesn't notice small things. But today, I am informing you that one of the things God notices is the order in which salvation comes to people in the world. The order. That he always saves the Jew first. And then he expects the Jew to now pass it on to the Greek. The Jew first. The Jew first. The Jew first, that is his order. That is his way of taking salvation to the Corneliuses of this world. Trusting that when a Peter receives the salvation, he will be faithful enough to take it to the next Cornelius. The Jew first. That is why, ladies and gentlemen, 
salvation has not reached certain parts of the world, certain parts of our society, certain parts of our family, because the Jews who have received the salvation are sitting on the salvation making excuses that they don't interact with unclean things. I think it's clear. Is that a clear message? This morning, everybody sitting here is a Jew first. You know, sometimes we don't seem to understand why God's judgment is so harsh on certain people. Like what he did to Adam and Eve. I don't think it was fair. Just an apple. Small apple. They didn't even eat all. She bit a part and gave it to the man to also bite. Small apple. No coffee. No coffee. Go and buy it. Suddenly curses you will, your labor, you sweat, your this, your here, your mother, your father. Oh, baby, why? An apple, a small apple. You see, what you don't know is that it's not just a small apple, but by eating it, it's not just Adam and evil, but everybody coming after him, everybody following after these two people are going to suffer needless pain. So the judgment he is giving them is not just for an apple, but for the problems they have introduced. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking to Jews this morning. I'm speaking to Jews. Who is a Jew? A Jew is someone to whom salvation comes. Have you forgotten that you are with your friends? When you receive Jesus and they did not receive Jesus. Have you forgotten that in your family, perhaps you were the first person to be born again and to speak in tongues? Have you forgotten that at that crusade, there was someone standing by you who did not raise his hand, but you raise your hand. Anytime salvation comes to you, with respect to the next person, you are a Jew first. And uh, I'm excited that Peter didn't mess with God. Hey, yeah. He put aside his theology. He put aside his reasons. And went. This morning I'll tell you. Somebody's destiny is what you are sitting on. And you must not allow God to roll out his judgment. Someone is waiting for you. Anybody listening to me who is saved. You have a responsibility to know first of all. That you are the Jew first. And then there are Greeks. And that God sometimes does not deal with Greeks 
directly. He uses the agency of saved Jews. So Peter said, I'm not going. <laughs> In fact, when he entered the house, he told Cornelius, you should know what is happening here. You know that it's not right. For me, Peter, to be standing among you guys talking, you, you should, that was his first comment, that you should know that this thing is not right. But God has used a pastor to preach to me in a church service on a Sunday morning that when I'm saved, there is no reason that is good enough to keep me from sharing Jesus with the next person. A pastor told me. That is why I'm in front of your kiosk. It's not because I'm in love with you. It's not because I want your house. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you could tell your neighbor, but I don't know what, how, whether you are on talking terms with your neighbor. Yeah, but I wish you could tell your neighbor that the Greeks are waiting for you. How you came to church? You just got up one day, a feeling drove you to church. May not be how God will bring someone to church. For that person, there must be a direct interaction between you and that person. The Jew first, and then to the Greek. This morning, the message is simple. You can't. By the sheets being lowered from heaven to earth three times. The Bible says that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. By the lowering of the sheets containing unclean things, four-footed beasts, creeping things, by that event happening three times, God was affirming that you don't have any excuse. Your sickness is not an excuse for keeping quiet. Your lack of education is not an excuse for keeping quiet. Being a stammerer is not an excuse for keeping quiet. Having had your baby just two weeks ago is not an excuse for keeping quiet. He said that don't try to call anybody unclean. Don't try to make anybody unreachable. When I have split the curtain of the temple. This morning I want to ask you. Can you stand the judgment of God for being quiet? And my answer is, don't try God. Don't try him. He's not as nice as the hymns present him. Don't try God. There is somebody you know who is waiting for you to say something about Jesus. Say it and let him say, I don't want it. Your hands are washed. 
upon the real Haggai, you discover Haggai chapter 1. You see something very interesting. That a lot of the personal problems, a lot of the personal problems, they were eating, they were not getting full. They were wearing clothes in winter. They were still feeling cold. They would earn money. The money comes home. They don't know what happens to the money. It's not Haggai chapter 1. I'm not telling you the story. Haggai in the Old Testament chapter 1. It was listing their problems. You bring, you earn money, but, but you don't know what has happened to the money. He said, he, he said you expected much. It came to little. You were expecting something. You were expecting your contract to earn you $20,000. When you finished the work, paid everybody everything, $1,200 instead of $20,000. You were expecting to marry a tall man only to end up with a short man. Always, it's like what you are looking for you don't get it. You, 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 you fall below par. Yes. You looked for much. And it came to little. Your child used to pass the, in school. The exams. 90%. 85. 95. 92. There was even one exam. He had 100%. A major exam. He scored everything. So you knew that Wasi, he would pass well to enter medical school. One of the results came D E E C C D. You were expecting A A A A A. You looked for much, but it always came to little. And the answer I said, Why? 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 Because of my house. That is waste. What is the relationship between food you are eating, which is not, you are not getting satisfied? How does it relate to the church? How does your body temperature, the weather is cold, you've gone to buy a winter coat and you are still feeling cold. Is it not possible you have an infection, viral infection, an inflammation? Is it not possible there may be some type of uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Parasitic infections. Can we also not rule out some cancers? This is a health problem that you are wearing a, 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 a woolen jacket and you are still feeling cold. There must be some malaria infection somewhere. But the Bible says it's not malaria, it's not dracunculus. <laughs> I'm preaching. It's not renal cell carcinoma. It's not thyrotoxicosis. It's not hypothyroidism. Sorry. It's not hypothyroidism. The answer, the diagnosis is found in the roofing sheets of the church. Can you imagine the church's roofing sheets are linked to your body's health? (laughs) Ah, But if you earn money and you bring the money home, and you check the accounts and it's not balancing. It's just because your accounting skills are not good. I mean, some people, some sanguines don't know how to handle money. So if you earn 2000 and after 10 days you don't know what you've done with the money, it just means that maybe you didn't handle the money well. No! 
He said, the reason why you can't account for your money is that my house also, we cannot account for some souls. All I'm saying is that when God chooses you first, you may think he has not noticed that he chose you first. That's why I said, on a rich man, like you say, two Ghana cities to a million. No, no. He knows that in your family, he chose you first. He knows that among your friends, he touched your heart first. He knows that the people you were with, you were the first person to be saved. And he's suspecting you that you have come to that saving knowledge who must also pass it on to the next person. He knows it. He knows the Jews sitting here. He knows it. And he's just marking time. Once he begins to know that you are an unprofitable servant, Hajar, he will cast you into outer darkness. And many, some here, are already in outer darkness. My dear friends, today, there's not much struggle, not much hassle. I came to pronounce a blessing on anyone who came with a soul to say thank you for my salvation. You invited someone to church. You have ever done that? Not today. I came to pronounce a blessing on anyone, any Jew who will bring a Greek next Sunday. I said, I came to pronounce a blessing on any Jew who will bring a Greek next Sunday. Because God's plan is sealed. It's firm. It's non-negotiable. He always selects Peter first. And he expects you, regardless of your reasons, to make your journey to Cornelius' house. Some people are waiting for you in Cornelius' house. May you arrive in the next Grecian house. May you arrive in the house of your Cornelius. I pray, I pray, if you are here and you have not seen a vision of a sheet being lowered, I am that sheet speaking to you. That God says that no excuse is tenable. May your heart be touched. Remember that salvation is to the Jews first and then to the Greek. Stand to your feet and let's close. Please lift your hands and just pray and ask the Lord to use you to touch a life. Lord, lead me to the Greek. Keluda stabra makandesa. Sheba moteka. Hey! In the 80s, people were jailed in this country. Some of you were not born. People were jailed. You see, whenever you see these physical things happening, they, they stand to explain spiritual things. Their crime was hoarding. Hoarding something that the masses needed. Kadusa malekratasa. Lift your hands and say, Lord, forgive me for hoarding. For keeping the news. 
Forgive me for not going. Always the order is this. The Jew is first. And he must go to the Italian. He must go to the Greek. He must go to the heathen. But always the Jew is first. Father, we thank you for the beautiful privilege of your presence. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Please close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Put down your hand. Bow your heads, please. You are here today. You are not born again. You want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you are not born again and you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, wherever you are, today is your day. Yes, everybody, even the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. As was in the day of the provocation. When millions fell. Today. There is a day called today. And somebody here. Your day is today. Harden not your heart. You are here. You want to say pastor. Please pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to be born again. I don't know who you are or where you are. But as every eye is closed. And every head is bowed. If you want to receive Jesus, you want to take a decision to give your life to Jesus, wherever you are, just lift up your right hand. I want to pray for you. Yes. You want to be born again. Lift your hand high. Yeah, I see your hand. Lift it high, higher. Yes, let it be high. Let it be high. Somebody is being blessed. As your hand is up, the person who brought you to church, cannot go unblessed angels are about to rejoice in heaven my god and that person who is responsible for this expect some rain to fall on your dry land lift your hand well if you are here you want to receive jesus you are not born again if you were to die right now you will go to hell come lift your hand and if your hand is up, come to me in front here. Walk all the way to me here. All the way. This is called today. This is your today. Keep coming. Somebody is standing there. God is calling you here. My God, touch our lives. Save us. Introduce some joy, some sweetness into our lives. Please lift your hand wherever you are, especially those in front, and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, today 
I have heard your word. I am sorry for staying far from you. I'm sorry for the many sins I have committed. I'm sorry. For disobeying you today, I return to you. I'm returning to you, and Lord, please receive me, please accept me. I am sorry, forgive me my sins, and give me a brand new beginning today. I declare, I am born again. I am born again. I'm a child of God. Say, please write my name in the book of life. I'm starting a new life in you. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe that you have been truly blessed. You can send a mail to Bishop Edwin Ogo at bishopedwinogo at gmail.com. Introduce this podcast to a friend, keep listening, and keep living passionately for God.